Welcome, change agents. I'm so glad you're here. This is Cheryl Klein, and you're listening to the Limitless Leader Podcast. Hey there, Cheryl here. It's an extremely exciting, special day. I am here with Lolita Amika from Tubi. And Lolita, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. I'm really excited for this conversation. Yeah, me too. Thanks for having me. Glad to be topping off the end of Women's History Month. I know. And it's just a fitting um, end to a really amazing month. And it's been a really big month for you. And so before we get started, you know, with some of the gems of wisdom that you're going to share, can you tell us a little bit about what got you to this point? In other words, what inspired you? I mean, you're still a young person, but (laughs) what inspired you, you know, way even earlier in your life to, you know, do what you're doing and start down this path? Yeah, it's kind of, uh, you know, I I find that no one grows up thinking when you're four, like, I want to be a ballerina. And when you're five, you're like, I really like to go into recruitment. And so yeah. it's been an interesting transition where there's some falling into things that happened for sure. But if I go on the way back machine to middle school times, I remember thinking that the best job in the world would be being that person who's at the mall doing basically what is now user research, you know, come in and watch this Coke commercial and tell us what you think about it. You get a free Coke or something. Mm -hmm. I thought that seems fantastic. Like I'd love to be nosy and know what those people are up to. And so, you know, long way to get to hear from there, but it's a fairly uh, uh, sticks with that sort of internal curiosity about other people in their lives. Um, I went to college to become a park ranger, um, and that hasn't been something that I've ever used professionally, but um, it's been an interesting space for sure. When I came out of college and moved to San Francisco and thought, this is it, I'm going to do this, and realized that there was no way that I could live here on $20,000 a year and that the jobs were also highly competitive. Um, I I did some other things and did some poking around um, and fell into IT at investment banks. And um, that's really how I started out my my time in my professional career and learning a lot about how corporations worked, what things looked like, what I liked about them, what I didn't. Um, I did that for some time until I raised my babies and took a little bit of time off. And um, when I got to the point where it was time for me to start looking again, I, I interviewed for a job at Apple. And my, um, it was, uh, you know, like a Homer's odyssey to get down to Apple from San Francisco during a, a La Nina year. I gave myself an hour and a half and it took all of that time. And it was, you know, raining and all of the pieces. And the first person that I met there was their head of exec recruitment who was helping to fill this non-executive role. And um, I was like, you're fantastic. I'd like to work with you. And he was he laughed a little bit and said, well, I don't, you know, generally hire for people who are in your level. And I said, that's fine. I'll call you back next week. And so I called him back until he had some space on his team. And that's how I really got my start in recruitment. So I started out in executive recruitment at Apple and I've worked my way through large and small companies um, going up through the, the ranks through that time. And so, well, you know, and that also, I want to raise the point that you had and that, you know, we were chatting before. And one thing you said that's important to you is that not, you know, 
boxing yourself in or letting other people box you in. So, and a lot of times I think some people either don't understand or don't give them permission themselves permission to have a circuitous path to success. In other sure. words, starting off, well, I study this, so I have to stay in this and do that, or I'm in this career and I need to stay there till I'm successful. Um, right. So you kind of debunked that and you're really living into it. So can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, well, I think it's really hard to know when you're 18 what you think that you're going to be doing for the rest of your life. It's a scary trend, uh, thing to be setting yourself up for. And so, um, you know, we were talking a little bit before, too, and about how every company is a technology company. My own, I've got high schoolers and, and telling them, I'm, no, I'm not even sure what you're going to do, but take some computer science classes and, and go to college and see what this looks like and follow some passion. But I think that there definitely is a little bit of, of bump along and growth that comes between the time that you're 18 and the time that you're uh, more of an adult, right? And um, so for me, some of that was really finding out the pieces that I liked, uh, that I really did like the the human interaction and growing up and gaining confidence and, and getting to that space um, of being able to have all of these different conversations. And I think there's a lot of, of being receptive and taking a risk. Um, you probably are going to be pretty miserable if you thought that when you were 18, you wanted to be an accountant and you get all the way through school and get your CPA and you hate, you know, Excel. What are you going to do if you feel like you're compelled to follow that path all the way through? So um, being a little bit spontaneous and receptive to the opportunities that come on to, in your life is really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely, for sure. And so can you tell us a little bit about your most recent transition and what's exciting you about that? Yeah, so I um, have just joined Tubi and it is a free streaming platform uh, for, we've all got so many uh, different platforms right now uh, that we're paying for. You wanna watch Sherlock and you have to go buy one thing to watch it and then you forget you've got it and six months later you've been paying for it. And so I think that Tubi's a really exciting space and that they've got um, an amazing platform of free technology to watch in addition to live news and other things like that. I love the space between uh, technology and entertainment. Direct to consumer is also really exciting and the opportunity is massive. And so it's great for recruitment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely, for sure. And so, you know, of course we have to have the conversation about mindset because mm -hmm. just to think about where um, the, the mindset that's allowed you to get where you are. In other words, the mindset that's helped you to be really resilient because while we're seeing a lot of progress and we were talking about this earlier, there's, I shouldn't say a lot of progress, probably a lot of increased awareness yes. for women in the workplace. The progress um, is probably not as quick as a lot of people would like. So, and I imagine, you know, a couple decades ago when, you know, earlier on it was even harder. So what's allowed you to go from the early years at Apple to now being the director of talent at Tubi? Yeah, I think that persistence and um, resilience and flexibility really are the things that get you there. Um, there 
in in recruitment in particular, I think that there are a lot of moving parts and you have to flex into them. Um, hiring teams that think that they need something, they don't need something else, budget requirements, all sorts of different pieces. And so I think that um, being able to go with the flow, but you know, have a strong core and uh, know how to help the teams along in the space that they wanna go into. Um, I would say that more and more I'm finding, you know, working with startup companies and things like that, that you have hiring teams that really think that they have a sense of what it is that they need and you are able to steer with experience into other places. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that sounds super, super important. And then as we go in, you know, we were also talking a little bit about you know, when the pandemic happened, everyone kind of adjusted and by the middle of the year, you know, seemed to be adjusting to this. It's just, I guess you could call it a new normal, which isn't going to resemble as we come out of it, the old normal, but right. you actually had this big transition during the pandemic. So how was that for you? And can you offer any advice to someone who's transitioning to a new company and not being able to get to know people like you could before. Yeah, I think that what I've been finding, um, you know, it's a, a funny thing to start a new job from the place that you left your old job in your, in your office or your bedroom as you make the transition during COVID. And so what I've been finding is really important for me is to be um, purposefully personal, um, which is, you know, it's difficult in that you can't run into someone into the hall or have a casual meeting or know things about them from, from small talk and conversations. And so uh, while it feels awkward in order to get to know your team or to introduce yourself to, you know, cross teams for, for um, collaboration, you really do have to set up time and have a uh, deeper dive around who you are and what your plans are for the company and, and being curious about that. Um, for my team in particular, I think that um, having more one-on-one -on -one meetings, at least from the start, is really important. Getting to know people, um, what they're, where, where do they live, what's going on with them, um, what are the hours that they need to work to make their jobs possible in, in this time with their family or anything else that they've got going on is, is really important. And it's, it requires more purpose than, than it would if we were just in the office having a nice time. Yeah, for sure. And also, if you think about how normally how interviews would have gone, like live interviews, you would have come into a studio and we would have had that. Did you fly here? Did you drive here? Like you have that conversation. Um, you know, and if we didn't have that purposeful conversation, I would not know that you live about 15 minutes away. So um, I think speaking to your point that it's very important to ask, not just talk about business, but get to know people from the get go. Just be very intentional and purposeful about that. Certainly, that's um, from last year, particularly when we were going through a lot of the the freshness around social unrest. Um, I found that there were a lot of people on my team who were feeling really impacted by that. And from that takeaway, I really realized that not just around, you know, big world 
sorts of current events that have big impacts on people's lives, I found that I was just diving into work and getting on with things because it was very busy. So um, I had a couple people who said this big thing happened in life. And nobody asked me about it at all during the day. And I took a little breath in and I was like, oh, I am really sorry. I didn't think to. Um, but what I realized is that whether it's a, a, a gigantic national um, happening or whether it's something personal that people have got going on in their lives, we're all individuals and being sure to ask about that at the beginning of any kind of a meeting that you're having, if it's appropriate, is is really helpful and helps you to connect and helps them to be seen and not just like a cog. Yeah. Yeah. So just taking a pause and saying before we jump into business, I want to know how everyone's doing. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And sometimes it, that's awkward and uncomfortable because you might have different people in the room and you're not really sure what's going to happen. Right. But it seems like it's always better to ask or, um, or possibly even, you know, do it prior to the meeting and check in with people individually. Um, so that's a really great topic. Now, when, you know, after you mentioned that it's been a really great people to bring people on to Tubi, but speaking to our topic today and how to develop talent during disruptive times. Uh, we talked a little bit about how to connect with them and be more purposeful, but what about helping them to be most focused, productive, and profitable and developing them that way? Yeah, I think that, again, with the really being purposeful and setting up your time with talking with people. So um, when I'm getting to know new new teammates and understanding what it is that they're bringing to the company and what they'd like to be doing in their career and being able to help them build that out. Um, I, I do a deep dive in and we talk about their, you know, like we're talking about, I wanted to be a user researcher in middle school, right? So from that moment on all the way through, really understanding what it is, you know, what did you do? What was your first job? I worked at Subway, you know, I didn't love it, but what, okay, so what didn't you love about it? And finding out, you know, what it is that people really enjoy um, about the work that they've done all through their lives and where it is that they'd like to go. I, I, I find that I encounter a lot of people who are in the Bay Area who have been highly successful all the way through. They were you know, top of their class in high school, they did great in college, they may have been athletes, and they get to the work world, and they want to go from, you know, we'll have like four individual contributor levels, and they want to go from one to four in two years. And um, it's frustrating, you know, because they want to know all the rungs and the, and the ways to go. And so I have to be pretty thoughtful in the way that I approach what their areas of successes are and their areas of opportunity and, and um, understanding how to build that out. And I'm sure you know, you're, you have a great depth of knowledge around all of those pieces. Yeah, definitely for sure. But I don't have the perspective that you have as far as, because then there's also, I don't want to say pressure, but expectations that, you know, people like keeping them happy, keeping them productive, keeping them profitable. I heard a really interesting, I was listening to a business podcast and they were talking about employees, when to hire, but when to have those difficult conversations and when to let people go. And, yeah. and um, that's really difficult too, is it employees? Because uh, I think they were specifically talking about payroll, but employees, it, it's our investments. 
you know, and at the end of the day there, you know, it's important to look at how you invest in your people, but also monitoring, you know, how they're doing. And if the investments, just like any other investment are paying off, it's the best fit for them. And sometimes, you know, having those difficult conversations. So there's probably a really fun part of your job and maybe part of it that's not so fun. And so can you shine some light on that when you have an employee for one reason or another, maybe they're just not a good fit. Maybe it's not negative, but just maybe they're not a good fit in their position. Maybe they don't like it. Maybe they could be better used somewhere else, but for whatever reason that it's not a good fit. I mean, do you recommend that people act and act quickly um, or how do you approach those tricky situations? Yeah, well, I think getting an understanding of why they're not performing well becomes really important in that. And so, yes, I think acting quickly in, in addressing it is pretty important. But um, is figuring out, is there an issue that's outside of um, the scope of their work that's causing them not to enjoy it? Or is it really that the work that they're doing isn't a great fit for for their, their skills? And so, um, you know, within recruitment, it's a fairly it's kind of, you know, similar to sales, there's a fairly easy path to move up through. But there are a few different pieces that um, you can really focus in on. And they are for very different personalities. And so, you know, you can start out as a coordinator, and you can move into programs. And that's for someone who's very detail oriented and um, enjoys managing all the pieces and the coordination of things, you can be starting as a coordinator and moving into being a sourcer turns out that those people who want to go on those two different paths are very different. And so if they think that they want to be a sorcerer, but hate the fact that it's open-ended and you can't tie anything up with a bow and it freaks them out because LinkedIn is an endless sea of candidates, then that's something that's not going to be successful for them. And so I think figuring out, um, is their lack of success something that is, um, relative to them and the company? Is there a different opportunity either within your organization or um, within the company that may work for them? Or is it really something that's just not a fit and they need to seek something else right now? They're hard. You don't ever want to send anybody out. But it it's I find that um, the rest of the team and, you know, on CultureAmp and other surveys like that, there's a, one of the questions that they ask is, are are people who are not performing being dealt with appropriately and quickly? And so it's something that definitely poisons the well of the team if uh, if you let people you know continue to lag even beyond what it's costing the company. Yeah, and I think just linking up the two things that what you said is getting to know people and then also acting quickly because too, I've seen when working with either coaching or working with larger cohorts that sometimes employees are performing very well and then there's a drop off and there's a lot of assumptions that are made. This person isn't motivated. This person's lazy. This person's what have you. Um, but asking them in a way that um, is conducive. So in other words, you know, with a compliment, we notice that, you know, you're typically performing at this level. We've noticed a dip. Is there something that I should know? So I'm wondering if you think that making, uh, especially for people who have historically performed pretty well, do you yeah. think that it's important to get to know them, to pull them aside and not make assumptions why that um, performance has dropped off? 
Yeah, 100%. And I think that at those times as well, your your thoughts around the way that you're approaching the meeting really need to be carefully put together. Um, last year was a rough year for a lot of people. And I think that, it, you know, we're continuing into this year with a lot of the things that are COVID and family and everything else related. And um, I, I was witness to a conversation where it was addressing a, a performance issue. And the way that the manager said it to the person was, you know, I'm seeing this issue X and Y and Z. Is it, I don't know if it's because of your situation or blah, blah, blah. And I thought, oh gosh, you know, what, that's six different kinds of HR issues that you put yourself into with that. But it's, it's also, you know, from a personal level, that feels not like a great thing to say to a fellow human, right? And so being thoughtful, and it is a kind of prickly thing, you know, to come into, to how you approach a conversation about something that's outside of work, and that's personal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that seems really important to to really maybe think of something positive first. Like I said, especially for the the folks who have typically performed well, yeah. you know, asking and having um, a lot of times in my work when we're talking about tactical empathy and dealing with people, it's just having an eco mindset, which is empathy, curiosity, and optimism, mm-hmm. and really take a take a moment to be in the other person's shoes. Yeah you know, and think about that and um, develop some of that empathy and curiosity. Like, I wonder why they were up here and now they're under, like, what could that be rather than making assumptions and um, acting from those assumptions, which um, are a lot of times not correct. So I think that's really important point you brought up. So is there anything that, you know, we've just, as we're recording this, it's the very end of Q1. Um, mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. Yeah. But is there anything that you can recommend? Because a lot of companies are under a lot of pressure right now. Emotions are really high. Is there anything that you can recommend when it comes to managing talent during disruptive times so they can finish the year strong, go into that second half of the year strong and make sure, like I said, that their people are happy, focused, productive, and profitable. Yeah, definitely. I think those are wonderful, wonderful things to hope for everyone in a workplace. Um, I would say definitely, I know that performance is something that's depending on the company done once or twice a year, but at the end of Q1, I think having a short conversation with each of your um, direct reports and talking with them about what's gone well, what um, what were their goals for the, the quarter, did they achieve them, and what was rough about it. It's three questions, it opens up a conversation, it makes sure that you're able to stop those assumptions and get each of you on the same page, and it really drives forward to success. Um, I think that uh, just sort of the same way as managing a candidate relationship around what are your expectations coming into a job, you can do that with your employees as well. What are your drivers? What are the things that are really important to you? That should be a conversation that you've established if you've been working with them a long time. But touching on that, those are the pieces that you'll come to at the end of the quarter as well. And so, yeah, that is so, so important to do those things. So, you know, we can head into the rest of the year really strong. And I think if we can do those, maybe have some systems and check 
kind of checkpoints in place to assure that we are taking care of our people and empowering them, that it's, you know, the ripple down effect is gonna be huge and it will help ensure, ensure um, profitability, but also keeping everyone happy and productive. So Lolita, Amika, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing so many golden nuggets of wisdom. And I think that collectively, if companies can really put these into place, then it's um, not only going to help their bottom line, but help them to be more human too. Yeah, very much so. Thanks for having me.